of this message tonight, and Lord willing, one more, and we'll finish our study of the Song of Solomon. Tonight we'll be looking at chapter 7. We'll look at the whole chapter, but I'm going to focus on just a few verses within the chapter. So let's read the whole chapter right now. The name of the message is The Prince's Daughter. The Prince's Daughter. Let's read the whole chapter here. How beautiful are thy feet with shoes, O prince's daughter! The joints of thy thighs are like jewels, the work of the hands of a cunning workman. Thy navel is like a round goblet, which wanteth not liquor. Thy belly is like an heap of wheat set about with lilies. Thy two breasts are like two young roes that are twins. Thy neck is as a tower of ivory. Thine eyes like the fish pools in Hesbron, by the gates of Bath-Rabbim. Thy nose is, is the tower of Lebanon, which looketh toward Damascus. Thine head upon thee is like Hermel, and, and the hair of thine head like purple. The king is held in the galleries. How fair and how pleasant art thou, O love, for delights. This Thy stature is like a palm tree, and thy breast to clusters of grapes. I said, I will go up to the palm tree. I will take hold of the burrows thereof. Now also thy breast shall be as clusters of the vine, and the smell of thy nose like apples, apples, and the roof of thy mouth like the best wine for my beloved that goeth down sweetly, causing the lips of those that are asleep to speak. I am my beloved's. And his desire is toward me. Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the field. Let us lodge in the villages. Let us get up early to the vineyards. Let us see if the vine flourishes. Whether the tender grape appear and the pomegranate bud forth. There will I give thee my loves. The mandrakes give a smell. And at our gates are all manner of pleasant fruit, new and old, which I have laid up for thee. Oh, my beloved. Now take note at how intimately the bridegroom knows his bride. Take note at how intimately the bridegroom knows his bride. He looks upon her, we see in this portion of scripture, with love and affection. With love and affection. He adores her. He adores her. Oh, how Christ loves his bride. Oh, how Christ loves his blood-bought saints. Now, we look at ourselves as sinners and think, how can he love me? He loves us. Oh, he loves us very, very dearly, beloved. He loves us so much that he gave his life for us, that he shed his blood for us. He's enamored with his bride, beloved. He's enamored with her. He's, he's loved her with an everlasting love. He's loved her from eternity. We can't understand that, can we? Because we're locked in time and space. Eh? But he's loved us from eternity, beloved. We who are his bride. We who are his blood-bought people. And this love is an unchanging love. It's an everlasting love. It's an eternal love. And it's an unchanging love. It'll never change. He loved us in eternity. He loved us while he was here upon this earth redeeming us. And he loves us now. And he will love us all the way into eternity future. And his love is an unchanging love. Because he's an unchanging God, isn't he? He doesn't change. He doesn't change. The great Redeemer, the heavenly bridegroom, is, 
is now surveying the beauties and the excellency of his beloved bride here before us. Now, in the latter part of the chapter, it's the bride speaking, but, but in, in the, the beginning, in the, in the middle of the, of the portion of Scripture, he's, he's surveying the beauties and excellency of his precious bride, of his beloved bride. And she is in herself fully conscious of her unworthiness of this love. And she sees herself for what she is. And we've seen that in chapters before, right? Remember she said, I'm black, and yet calmly, right? Calmly being beautiful. I'm black, picturing our sin, and yet calmly, because I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. So she knows, she's, she's, she's fully aware of her unworthiness of this love. This love from the great king of kings. But he sees her clothed in the bridal attire of his own righteousness. That's what he sees her. He sees her, in, and think of that, in the bridal attire of his own righteousness. Because only the bride of Christ is clothed in his righteousness. Only his blood-bought, purchased people are clothed in his righteousness. And instead of rebuking her for her acknowledged imperfections, right, in our flesh, he begins with the word, words here, how beautiful are thy feet with shoes, O prince's daughter. Now let us note here the wonderful name of the church, the bride of Christ, is here before us called the daughter and the prince's daughter. O prince's daughter. She is called daughter. We are his by creation and we are his by purchase. And it's the Lord himself who is the prince of the kings of the earth. Jesus Christ, our Lord, is the prince of glory and the prince of peace. And he calls his blood-bought people his daughter. And let us never forget that we are the prince's daughter by choice. We are the prince's daughter by birth because we're born again from above. And we're begotten of God. We're his workmanship. We're his workmanship. We are the prince's daughter by marriage. He's chosen us. He chose to marry us. Just as you men who sit beside your bride chose to marry your bride. You didn't choose to marry any other woman. But you chose to marry your bride. And, and that's a good question for people who, who sometimes balk at election. You ask them, did you choose your wife? And if they say yes, then say, well, why can't Christ choose his bride? Right? He can choose whomever he wills. And he has, hasn't he? He has. He has. He has made us the prince's daughters, the very children of God. And as the prince's daughter, we be made heirs of the prince, heirs of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And take note that our Lord describes the beauty of his blood-bought bride, his church, in his own eyes. And let us remember that in our own eyes, we see no beauty in ourselves, none, none at all. But the Lord sees us as calmly, which again we know in the Hebrew is beautiful. And the only reason he sees us in that way because we're clothed in his righteousness. Look at verses 1 to 5 again. How beautiful are thy feet, O prince's daughter. The joints of thy thighs 
are like jewels, the work of the hands of a cunning workman. Thy navel is like a round goblet, which wanteth not liquor. Thy belly is like a heap of wheat set about with lilies. Thy two breasts are like two young rows that are twins. Thy neck is, is a tower of ivory. Thine eyes are like the fish pools in Hezbon by the gates of Bath-Rabim. Thy nose is the tower of Lebanon, which looketh toward Damascus. Thine, thine head upon thee is like caramel, and the hair of thine head like purple. The king is held in the galleries. We'll look at these verses, and we see the love and affection that our great Savior and Redeemer has for his people, for his bride. And we're humbled when we see this, aren't we? We're humbled when we see this. We're humbled with the, our sense of sin and our sense of unworthiness. And we are not deserving of this wonderful love that the King of Kings has for his bride. It says, How beautiful are thy feet with shoes, O prince's daughter! The joints of thy thighs are like jewels, the, the work of the hands of a cunning workman. Sees a prince's daughter, it says here. And again, we are reminded of our pedigree. And this is a result of the new birth. This is a result of God's choosing. The bride's been adopted by God. She's one of his children. See, the children of the king of kings were his workmanship. Let us never forget that. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Now take note that she has sandals. It says there, how beautiful are thy feet with shoes. She has sandals upon her feet. I looked this up in the shoe or the sandal in ancient times and in oriental countries was a badge of freedom and honor. It was a badge of freedom and honor. The crouching slave never wore a sandal. Never wore a sandal. Is the unsandaled feet was a badge and mark of subjection, if not degradation. And when the Lord, therefore, in the text here, speaks of his betrothed bride's feet being beautiful with shoes, this speaks and proclaims the wonderful state of the believer in Christ. Is every believer is translated from the bondage of corruption, slavery, right? We were slaves to sin, weren't we? Into the glorious liberty of the children of God in and through Christ alone. We're free. We're free. Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Shoes or sandals were emblem of joys, joy also. And, and well, the want of these was equally recognized and regarded as a symbol of grief and sorrow. So if someone didn't have sandals, it was a symbol of grief and sorrow. But if they had them, it, it was a symbol of joy. Now, we take it for granted having shoes on, don't we? We take it for granted. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 and look at this as we look at the whole armor of God and think of this, the whole armor of God points to Christ and Christ alone. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 13 to 16. Wherefore take unto you, verse 13, the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Who's the truth? Christ and Christ alone. And heaven on the breastplate of righteousness. Whose righteousness are we clothed in? The righteousness of Christ. Stand therefore, heaven your loins girt about with truth, and heaven on the breastplate of righteousness. And look at this. In your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. She has shoes on. <laughs> oh my. And we know the gospel of peace is all about Christ and Christ alone. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Who's the object of our faith? The Lord Jesus Christ. Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. 
So again, shoes or sandals were emblems of joy and, and showed that one was free. Our feet are shod with the gospel of peace, beloved. And we who are his blood-bought people, we walk in liberty. We walk in freedom, beloved. Freedom. What freedom we have in Christ. And think upon this as we travel through this world of woe and sin. We're on the journey. We're pilgrims and strangers in this world and we seek a better country. In unshod feet would cut and lacerate us with the stones and thorns and briars of this world. And this figure also suggests that we are not to loiter or linger on the way, but we press on, don't we? We press on, beloved, seeking a better country. And we do this in service to our King, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our heavenly bridegroom. Now take note of verse 5 in Song of Solomon, chapter 7. As I said, we'll look at certain verses in this. Song of Solomon, chapter or 7, verse 5. Take note of the statement, the king is held in the galleries. Look at verse 5. Thine head upon thee is like caramel, and the hair of thine head like purple. The king is held in the galleries. The king here is the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the one who, he is the one who is the head of the church. He's king of Zion, isn't he? He's king of the saints. And his kingdom is a spiritual one and an everlasting one. And the Lord Jesus Christ, the blessed King of Zion, condescends to be seen and known by his people. He reveals himself to us in the galleries of the gospel. In the galleries of the gospel ordinances, he reveals himself to his people. Where Christ and his people walk and converse together. And this is where he discloses the secrets of his heart to his people. And he leads us into further acquaintance with him, doesn't he? He has his hunger and thirst after righteousness. And oh, how we hunger and thirst after the things of Christ. And we rejoice in his covenant and the blessings and promises that are found in it and how they all find their fulfillment in Christ, in Christ alone. And they have delightful views of his person and the fullness of his redemptive work. Now there is a secret gallery of meditation where, where David found God's loving kindness to be better than life and had his soul satisfied with marrow and fatness. There's the gallery of prayer wherein Jacob wrestled with the angel of the covenant and like a prince prevailed for the blessing. There's the gallery of reading the scriptures where the Ethiopian eunuch rejoiced after having received the discovery of the promised Messiah, when Christ was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit of God, and he went on his way rejoicing, didn't he? He went on his way rejoicing, being born again by the Holy Spirit of God. There's the gallery of Christian conversation where believers are refreshed. We talked about that a little bit this morning when we get together and iron sharpen iron, and, and we rejoice in the precious things of Christ. We rejoice, we who are his blood-bought people, Rejoice in the things of Christ. We, we enjoy talking and conversing about our great Redeemer. And, and we love to speak of the forgiveness that we have in him. And then there's the gallery of preaching or hearing the, of the word. And Christ is in all these places, isn't he? He reveals himself to his people this way. The hearing of the word preached, whereby the blood-washed saint has their heart opened by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit of God when, when they are first saved. And then... We just desire more and more to keep hearing that precious word, don't we? To keep getting a glimpse 
of our Savior in the gallery. And then we come and we feast each week. We feast upon the Lord's provision from his word through the proclamation of salvation in and through Christ alone, all by his free and sovereign grace. There is the gallery of the New Testament ordinances where we see Christ in baptism in the Lord's Supper where the believer remembers the great things that the Lord has done for him. We remember Christ dying upon the cross to redeem our souls, to purchase our souls with his eternal blood, his own precious blood. And truly the bride is a blood-bought bride in what great love is manifested before us. God himself, incarnate in the flesh, willingly dies for his bride, for we who are sinners by birth, nature, and choice. And Christ is said to be held in these galleries, and this may signify his fixed habitation. Where is he? He's with the church. He's in the midst of her. He's in the midst of her. We see him in the preaching of the word, don't we? When we read the word and the Holy Spirit illuminates the scripture, he speaks to us through his word. Oh, it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. And we see him in the ordinances. And he dwells with his people. Now let's consider verses 6 to 10. The bridegroom, the king, is still speaking of his bride. And he wonders at her beauty. How fair and how pleasant art thou, O love, for delights. Again, fair here in the text is the same as calmly. It's beautiful or excellent. Now think upon that. God sees we, we, and again, we know how undeserving we are of this love. But he sees us as beautiful or excellent. Because remember, he sees us in his righteousness. That's the only reason he sees us that, that way. But it, it still makes the believer marvel. Because we know, we know what we are and we know who we are. And then look at verses 7 to 9. This thy statue is like to a palm tree and thy breasts to clusters of grapes. I said, I will go down, up, I will go up to the palm tree. I will take hold of the brows thereof. Now also thy breast shall be clusters of the vine, and the smell of thy nose like apples, and the roof of thy mouth like the best wine for my beloved, that goeth down sweetly, causing the lips of those that are asleep to speak. These words tell us of, of the delight and satisfaction that the king has for his bride. He's ravished by her. Now let that sink in. He's ravished by his bride. He's ravished by her beauty, which, which he bestowed upon her. He's ravished. He's ravished by the beauty that he bestowed upon her, and, and, and he's ravished by the beauty that's been wrought in her, all by God's power. Turn, if you would, to Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16. Look at this beautiful portion of Scripture. And think, think of that in light of what we just read and how, how the, the, the bridegroom delights in the bride and how, how he's ravished by her. Look at Ezekiel 16 verses 8 to 14. Now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was the time of love. Oh, beloved, we could just sit there. 
the time of love. And I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becamest mine. Mine. The Lord says that about his people. Thou becamest mine. Then washed I thee with water, yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee, and I anointed thee with oil. I clothed thee also with broidered work, and shod thee with badger skin, and I girded thee about with fine linen, and I covered thee with silk. I decked thee also with ornaments, and I put bracelets upon thy hands, and a chain on thy neck, and I put a jewel on thy forehead, and earrings in thine ears, and a beautiful crown upon thine head. Now remember, he said we were naked before that. Oh my. This is all the Lord's doing. This is all the Lord's doing. Thus wast thou decked with gold and silver, and thy raiment was of fine linen and silk, embroidered work. Thou didst eat fine flour and honey and oil, and thou wast exceedingly beautiful, and thou didst prosper into a kingdom. And thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty, for it was perfect through my calmliness. There again, that, that speaks of his righteousness right there, beloved. Which I had put upon thee. Look at that. Again, we're only beautiful because he has put upon us the righteousness of Christ. Which I put upon thee, saith the Lord God. Oh, salvations of the Lord, beloved. So let us always remember and be mindful that it is he who has clothed us in his perfect spotless righteousness. It's he who's done this. And he delights to be in the company of his bride because he purchased her and he redeemed her and he has loved her from eternity and he will love her forever. Forever. Let's go back to Song of Solomon. Let's look at verses 10 to 13. Here we see the bride speaking. And look at her response. Oh my. I am my beloved's and his desire is towards me. Just think upon those words right there. The blood-bought saint of God says, I am my beloved's. I'm his. And I'm his by choice. And I'm his by purchase. We will never find a love greater than this, ever, ever. I am my beloved's and his desire is toward me. Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the field. Let us lodge in the villages. Let us get up early to the vineyards. Let us see if the vine flourishes, whether the tender grapes appear and the pomegranates bud forth. There will I give thee my loves. The mandrakes give a smell, and, and at our gates are all manner of pleasant fruits, new and old which I have laid up for thee, O oh my beloved. Oh, what a proclamation. I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. Our great Savior again delights in his blood-bought people, in his bride. He delights in the beauty of his people, because again, they're clothed in his righteousness. And the Lord of glory also delights in the company of his people. 
our great God delights in the prayers and praises of his people. In his desire here, it says his desire is toward me. That's humbling. That's so humbling. Now the love between Christ and his bride has not lessened as we progress through this book. It's deepened. It's deepened, beloved. And he delights in her. And what does she do? She delights in him. Now, his love for us is unchanging, but our love for him grows, doesn't it? It does. The more we learn about him, the deeper our love for him becomes. Oh, we become enamored with he who is the lover of our soul, the Lord Jesus Christ. And note again, i got to read it again. I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. The bride is bringing forth precious truth that she knows to be true. She's, she knows this, and she's overcome and overwhelmed at the love of Christ for her. And is it not so for we who are his blood-bought people? Is it not so for us? Are we not overwhelmed when we, when we sit and ponder the great love that Christ has for us? The truth of John, 1 John 4.19 has been bought home to every blood-bought believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that verse proclaims this, we love him because he first loved us. And so she exclaims, I am my beloved. He's loved me. He loved me before I loved him. (laughs) Oh my. And I ask you, are you not overwhelmed by this love? Are you not overwhelmed with this everlasting love that Christ has for his people? Are you not overwhelmed knowing that Christ left the glories of heaven to redeem you? To purchase you who are his blood-bought people? Does that not overwhelm you? Oh, it does, doesn't it? Overwhelms our heart. Are we not overwhelmed that he went to Calvary's cross to pay everything that God demanded for my sins, for our sins? Are you not overwhelmed that not only has he wrought out a perfect righteousness, but that he clothes us in that perfect righteousness? It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming to think of these things. And I ask you, you who are his blood-bought people, when these truths hit home for us, does it not cause you to love him more? To cherish him more? And we desire to be in his presence more, don't we? <laughs> because it's homesick, beloved. Oh, oh my. It makes us cry out with the bride what she cries out here. I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. What are some of the things that the the bride of Christ acknowledges about our heavenly bridegroom after we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God? Well, the bride acknowledges that she belongs to Christ, and we see that right here in verse 10. I am my beloved's. She acknowledges that. She acknowledges that. And we belong to him by his own eternal choice of his elect and love. 
Turn, if you would, to John 15, 16. John 15, 16. And we're Christ by, by special purchase, beloved. We're his, we're his bride by special purchase because it says this in Ephesians 5.25. I'll read this as you're turning to John 15.16. Ephesians 5.25 says this, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. We're his by special purchase. And we're, we're purchased with his precious blood. Look what he says here in John 15, 16. Ye have not chosen me. Well, that sure goes against religion nowadays, doesn't it? They tell you the choice is all up to you. Now, we willingly flee to Christ. We acknowledge that. We do. But only because we're made willing. But look at this. Ye have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. Let that come home. We who are his blood-bought people. God has chosen me. He chose me. And ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. And remember, um, he's the vine, we're the branches, right? Without him we can do nothing. So even that fruit all comes from the Lord. All comes from him. And that your fruit should remain. Whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. But I love this first portion. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go forth, should go and bring forth fruit. Oh, what a Savior. What a Redeemer. Ephesians 5, I'll read this, verses 25 to 27. Again, we're his by special purchase. As husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. Remember the beauty we've seen, the, how he looks at the, the bride and, through this chapter and he's enamored with it? That he might present to himself a glorious church, a spotless church, a beautiful bride. Right? Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. How are sinners without spot or wrinkle holy and without blemish? Because God's people, his blood-washed saints are clothed in his righteousness. And he presents us in that righteousness a glorious church, a beautiful bride. Oh, my. We belong to our Savior and we commit ourselves to him, don't we? We freely give ourselves to him because we're made willing in the day of his power. Mark says this, chapter 8, verse 35, For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, in the gospels the same shall save it. And we belong to the Son of God because he's loved us with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31, 3. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, and now he says this to his people, and if you're one of his blood-bought people, these are words for us. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, have I drawn thee. We'd never come to him if he didn't draw us. And he draws us, beloved, with loving kindness because he purchased us at Calvary's cross. All salvations of the Lord. 
And the bride is confident of his, of his love to her because, again, look, let's go back to Song of Solomon chapter 7. The, the bride is confident of, of, of Christ's love to her, the bridegroom's love to her, because look what the text proclaims. His desire is towards me. So she's not confident in anything of herself. But she's confident of his love for her. Because the scriptures declare his desire is toward me. He has promised that he will never, ever, ever leave us. Nor forsake us. And we'll be with him for eternity, beloved. When we die and we pass through that doorway to glory, because that's all death is, we pass through that doorway, we'll be with the Lord for eternity. For eternity. And his desire is towards her, and her desire is towards him. It's reciprocal, isn't it? <laughs> he goes, but he loved us before, before we loved him, and, 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 and now that we know about that love, we love him so much. We love him dearly, don't we? It's reciprocal love. He loves us, and we love him. The world don't understand this. Don't understand this. But we didn't understand it before the Lord saved us, did we? We didn't understand it at all. And she desires to be with him. And one day, one day, we will be with him. And we'll be with him for eternity. Oh, what a glorious time that will be. The bride, God's people, is, is filled with love and devotion for the bridegroom being Christ. And we see this in the closing verses here. Look at verses 11 to 13. Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the field. Let us lodge in the villages. Let us get up early to the vineyards. Let us see if the vine flourishes, whether the tender grape appear and the pomegranate bud forth. There will I give thee my loves. The mandrakes give a smell, and at our gates are all manner of pleasant fruits, new and old, which I have laid up for thee, O my beloved. Note in verse 11, the words, Come, my beloved, the bride desires the bridegroom to be in her presence. Do we not desire the presence of the Lord in the, in the services when we meet together, when we're reading scriptures, when we're praying? Oh, we desire. We desire him to be with us. And, and take, take great comfort, beloved. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. We desire to walk with him and have him instruct us too, don't we? We desire to have him instruct us through the preaching of the word, to guide us and to direct us all through this, this world. And, and we desire to be comforted in all different situations in our lives, knowing that our heavenly bridegroom is ever with us, even in the times when we don't feel his presence. He's still with us. He's still with us. He's still with us. And we desire to have our spirit revived and refreshed by the, the preaching of the word of God, which tells us and proclaims the great things, the great things about our bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ, and what he's done for us. Oh, his great death upon Calvary's cross, where he redeemed his people from their sins. He paid everything that God demanded. Oh, how I love to hear that story. Tell me again and again and again. Oh, the bride desires to receive fresh tokens of Christ's love and fresh assurances of his love to us. And this is so for every one of God's people. 
we who are his redeemed, purchased bride. Look at verses 12 and 13. Let us get up early to, early to the vineyards and let us see if the vine flourishes, whether the tender grape, grape appear and the pomegranates bud forth. There will I give thee my loves. The mandrakes give a smell and at our gates are all manner of pleasant fruits, new and old, which I have laid up for thee, O my beloved. Note in these verses that all that she holds, she holds it in love to him. And she gives it all to him. She gives it all to him. Oh, we love and cherish our Lord and Savior more and more each day. And we rest in his beloved promises. And those promises of God all find their fulfillment in he who is our Savior, in he who is our Redeemer, in he who is our Lord, and in he who is our Heavenly Bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's people say, praise his mighty name. Heavenly Father, again we thank thee for your mercy and grace towards us. Oh, what love you have for your blood-bought people. What love you have for your bride. Lord, may we who are your, your people, by choice, by purchase, and by regeneration, may we leave here rejoicing, Lord, in the great things that you have done for us, and may we leave here rejoicing, knowing the fact that, that you loved us before we loved you, and that you loved us with an everlasting love, and Lord, that love will never cease. Oh, that fills our hearts with joy. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.